lifts my spirit up in anticipation of heaven, knowing that God is a God of grace and a God of glory. God works mysteries and wonders each and every day, each and every moment. Today we're going to look at Psalm 33, the greatness and goodness of God found in this psalm written by David, starting at the, um, uh, starting at the 12th verse. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees all humankind. From where he sits enthroned, he watches all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the heart of them all and observes all their deeds. A king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a vain hope for victory, and by its great might it cannot save. Truly the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and on those who hope in his steadfast love and deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and shield. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom power and the glory forever. Amen. As we gather here today, we gather as a people of the most free nation in the history of the world. I have a birthday in a few more days, and I think back, I'll be 57. Uh, that's right over the speed limit, in case anybody is wondering. Now, Andrew knows a little bit about that. Andrew, you remember, don't you? We were young boys over in Kipling, Andrew loves baseball. We used to have a little baseball thing in a backfield back there. Remember that? Me and you and Danny Baker and the rest would go over and play ball. And I would love it because it was a short field and you could hit a home run very easily. But you could lose the ball very easily, too. We had a good time. That weren't that long ago, really. But that's America. America, baseball, apple pie. How many like apple pie? Uh, there we got a lot of apple pie people here. I'm, I'm more banana pudding myself. How about you? Yeah. And mom. Now, I mean, you can't have America without mom and apple pie and baseball. See, we live in a great nation, a nation God has blessed. And the reason we've been blessed so much is our religious freedom. I have a book in the office that shows how the church developed in this part of the state. The early missionaries came up to Cape Fear. In fact, you can track the whole settlements of the early parts of our state by the river where churches formed. And there were churches formed here in Harnett County from the early missionaries that came up to Cape Fear. Now, some of them came up to Cape Fear and got off on this side of the river <laughs> and started these circuits, and then some got off on the other side where my father served over at Kipling. And those were really like two different places. And in our earliest beginnings, you can see the influence of faith in our whole nation. 
In fact, if you go to Charleston, it's called the City of Steeples. And if you ever ride into Charleston, just notice all the churches, all the steeples, from the French Huguenots to the early Methodists to the Episcopalians to the Presbyterians. Our nation's been formed as a nation of religious freedoms. The reason God has blessed us. Now we're going to look at the scripture and see how this connects. The first verse is happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. We don't hear that word happy much in America anymore. It seems like we're sad, we're perplexed, we're troubled, we're lost. But let's be clear, the psalmist is saying as a nation, as a people, we are happy not in our politics, we are happy in the Lord. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. Not a God of another belief system, not a God of wealth or fame or fortune, but the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God, the one true God. And happy is the nation. Now we've heard this time after time, and people tend to always take a political flavor of it. Now you like politics. I don't like politics. In college, I held seven of eight positions in politics. I was everything but president. I was vice president. I was high court chief justice. I was senator. I was attorney general. I was public defender. I was treasurer. And I ran out of one. There's one more in there somewhere. Uh, I, no, I weren't ever secretary because we didn't have a secretary. And, uh, I, I don't remember. My brain is slipping on me. But I held them all but president. And I kept telling people, I don't like politics yet. I kept running for politics and getting elected. And it's so easy to get elected. Just promise everything. You know, promise we had day students, and they complained because the parking spaces were too close. So I promised them I would widen the parking spaces. I didn't have the authority to do it, but I promised it anyway, and they all voted for me, and I got elected because that's what politicians do. See, politics is how we deal with each other. Aristotle said that we're a political animal. But this isn't about politics. This is something far more important than politics. I don't care if God is on one side or the other. What I care about is God is on our side. And we, more importantly, are on God's side. So happy is the nation whose God is the Lord. As long as we understand that God is God and we are not, and God does not hold a banner above another banner other than the banner of Christ as our Lord and Savior. Happy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen to be his heritage. Now, I know we have freedom of religion. Some people think it's freedom from religion. But we got to understand God chose us. Now, we have to receive that choice. It's called free will. But God chose you. You are special in his sight. He chose you as a holy people. And then we're going to go to that now in the next verse. The God, the Lord looks down from heaven and sees all of us. And what does he see in you know? <laughs> oh, my goodness. What does God see when he looks down? He sees us busy. We're hurrying this place, and we're going that place. We're doing this, and we're doing that. We're hurrying to get from one point to another. 
It's amazing. You go anywhere, even to Broadway, and people are hurrying to Broadway, and then they're hurrying back from Broadway. What's going on in Broadway got everybody all stirred up? I don't know. See, people are too busy. I once knew a man in a church I served, and he worked his whole life for the state. And I said, I said, Worth, I said, are you going to retire? I said, the time has come for you to retire. Don't you think I was a meddling preacher back then? I don't meddle anymore, so don't ask me to meddle in your lives because I will. I'll fix whatever's there, but I'll tell you what's broken, and you may not want to hear it. Well, that was back when I was a younger preacher, and I didn't know any better, and I meddled a little bit too much. And I told Worth, I said, Worth, it's time for you to retire. He said, no, I'm going to work a little bit longer. And I said, you've got so many years in, you just need to retire and go to the beach and relax and have fun. And he said, no. He, he said, I'm going to work a little bit longer. And he did. And, well, I did a service six months later. Not that I was right, because God has God's time. I'm not sure what could have happened that didn't happen in those six months. But I know our hurrying doesn't get us there any quicker. Did you know that? The studies show that if you speed, the truth is if you go the speed limit, you'll get there about the same time. But I don't think people believe that because they, <laughs> they drive way too fast. Way too fast. Like they're hurrying to get there. But see, the Lord's looking down on us and he's going to us, what, what is your hurry? What you, what you hurrying for? You only got this one life to live. You need to enjoy it. And he's saying to us, I see you. You know how children love to be seen by parents? It's, it's so funny to watch children when they're, you know, gathered together. And then they'll turn and look at the parent to make sure the parent's watching. See, we need God to watch us. We need God to look at us and say, you're my child. I love you. You're not alone. See, God is not saying politically, I'm your Lord and you're going to bow down to me because he is our Lord and we will bow down to him. And I pray we do already. What he is saying is you're my child. This is a relational kingdom we're talking about, not a political kingdom. We'll get to that in a moment. Let's go to the next verse. Uh, are, we, are we missing that one? Well, I'll go get the Bible. When I get the Bible, I get real serious now. I'm, I'm going to pound the Bible. I'm, I'm heading that way. Y'all keep watching the screen and see if it switches. If not, I'm pulling up the Bible. I got my glasses so I can read. Did we get it? The Lord looks down, the 13th verse. From where he sits enthroned, he watches all the inhabitants of the earth. So God watches over us. He takes care of us. He is enthroned. He is sitting on the throne in heaven. The throne that we'll gather around as the children of God when the day of judgment happens. The Lord looks down from heaven. He sees us. He sits enthroned and he watches all the inhabitants of the earth. There we go. We're at the 15th verse now. The next verse. He who fashions the heart of them all and observes all their deeds. Now, we need to look in detail at this point about observes all their deeds. God is not only watching us. God is marking down everything we do, everything we think, and every way we act. God is watching us. It's like you children. 
Your parents know everything. Don't go thinking you're keeping anything hidden from your parents. Oh, they know it all. Parents, uh, they know it all. They sneaky. They figure things out. They watch you. They check your clothes. They look at the mileage on the car. They look at the gas. I'm talking about good parents. Isn't that right? All you good parents raise your hands. Yeah, we watch our children. You better believe we watch our children. Because our children not only represent us, uh, they carry a part of us in them. And what they do reflects on us. See, God is watching us. He cares about us. He's fashioning our hearts so that we may do his will. He's fashioning our hearts. Not our minds, but our hearts. Because the heart is the best part. The heart is all that really matters. The heart is what is capable of love. The head is not capable of love. Love makes no sense in the head. Only the heart. Does love make sense? If you ever try to figure out why you love, you'll never figure it out. It doesn't make sense. It's not logical. It doesn't make sense. Why is it that little baby demands so much love and attention? How can you devote so much knowing it's going to cost you roughly about a million dollars to raise a child now? Yeah, if you count college, yeah, it definitely does. See, it not only demands resources, it demands most of all the heart and God is looking at us, and he is providing all that we need. And then he gets to the part that helps us to understand how this kingdom works. He says in the next verse, the 16th verse, A king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. If you ever play football, football is a sport not of skill, but of domination. Now, you can have skills that help you dominate more, but frankly, a six-foot-nine man that weighs 315 pounds is going to take me to town no matter how smart I am because all he's got to do is fall on me. See, sports are, uh, well, they're games that we play that have rules and they have regulations. In the life that we live, we think things are a certain way. We think that politics are important. We think that people in power are important. We seem to make that the most important. Yet God is saying here, a king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. It is not the strength that makes the difference. It is who our master is who our general, who our Lord is. The psalmist is saying politics will never fix humanity. They, they won't do it. This is the most free nation that's ever been, a nation of religious choice. This is a nation where people are created equal. It's a nation that has a bill of rights and a constitution. It's a nation that has a history to help the world and even at point save the world from its own tyranny and its own downfall. And here we are, this nation, God is so blessed, yet we have turned our back on the Lord thinking that somehow the government is going to save us. And Lord, some of them even now are talking about the government paying everybody a living wage. I don't want to work for the government in that way. I don't want to belong to a politician and whatever whims and whatever ideas they have. I believe in freedom. That's what I told Mina the other day. We were talking about America. And you know, he's from Kuwait. He's an Egyptian Coptic. And I was saying, in America, isn't it great in America? He said, I do not understand. And I said, America's free, Mina. 
It means I can go out there and I can mess up just like anybody else. But I can make it just like anybody else. America is a place of choice. It's a place of freedom. And here we need to understand that it is not our army, though it is a great army and has been blessed by God. It is not what makes America great. It is the part of the people. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. And then he continues in the 17th verse and he talks about the machines of war. The war horse is a vain hope for victory. And by its great might, it cannot save. So in other words, a nation that depends on God is a nation that is saved. America is America because it has depended on God. So the next time something bad happens and some shadow is cast over the land, know who the true Lord of America is. It's God. And God loves us. And it says that in the 18th verse. Truly the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. Did the preacher actually just say fear him? That's not politically correct, is it? Because we're in a nation now that people don't like to be afraid. Oh, they don't like to be afraid. Then why is Halloween the biggest growing Hollywood, you know, Hollywood and just the biggest growing holiday in the nation? In fact, Halloween's already taken away Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving's gone. Nothing left but Halloween now. People claim they don't want to be afraid, yet they create fear because they think fear somehow makes them more alive. And the truth is, the only thing we fear is the Lord because God's judgment is coming. In fact, there's a rock flying by us right now in space. I just read it on, uh, just on NBC, you know. Uh, that rock is flying by us right now. Fly on by, rock. Don't come down here. We don't want no trouble. Stay away from us. Who controls the sun and the moon and the stars? Who makes uh, the motion happen? God's protected us. In fact, they took a picture the other day. Uh, I think it what, was a Jupiter. And there was a big flash on Jupiter. It was a young, just astronomer, just happened to take a picture right at the moment that something three times the size of Earth crashed into Jupiter. If that something would have crashed into us, we wouldn't be anymore. We'd be obliterated. Yet, all it was was a flash in this place, another planet, and God, he protects us once again. So when you think God can't handle it, just realize he can handle it and more. As I used to say on Little Rascals, he can handle it and how. God can take care no matter what the trouble is. Because God has his eye on us. And the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him and those whose hope is in his steadfast love. And that is the question today. Do you want to be loved or do you want to be saved? Or do you want to be both? The answer is both. Not only love, because love is good. Love is kind. Love is patient. You can go to 1 Corinthians 13th chapter and read all about love in its many ways. But with love comes salvation. And salvation is what brings people into relationship with God. So the psalmist is saying, truly, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his steadfast love. 
and he delivers their soul from death in the 19th verse to keep them alive in famine. In other words, when bad things happen, good things happen to those who fear the Lord. Now, you may think I'm just saying this because I'm a preacher and I'm supposed to say this. I'm supposed to be a person of optimism and hope. But I can tell you during the darkest moments of my life, the faith has kept me holding on. When things didn't look good, I turned to God and God had already turned to me and was helping me out of that place, that pit that I found myself. I can tell you life can be a mess sometimes. Nothing hurts worse than when you face death and you face sorrow and you lose those who love you. And here I am, the youngest of the children, about to turn 57. Can you believe that? That's slightly over the speed limit. That's the way I understand it. And here I am, many ways, the oldest in my family now because the whole generation before me is gone. I find myself in a different place having to take care of children instead of somebody taking care of me. Used to say to Harry Truman, the president, had a, had a sign on his desk, and it said, the buck stops here. In other words, he's saying, I'm the president, and I'm going to take care of things. Well, I have that sign on my desk now. We found that out the other day, moving Hannah, didn't we, Mr. Johnny? He saw that uh, it's a U-Haul at the parsonage, <laughs> and he knew immediately we were moving Hannah. Because <laughs> when we moved here, Mr. Johnny had the privilege of taking uh, Hannah's boxes in the house, and it was like every uh, the box you got to said Hannah, Hannah, Hannah. That child is something else. You children don't do that to your parents. I tell her all the time, y'all, you just need to have less. Less is more. Think less is more. No, just, just, just think that. Less is more. Instead of more is more. Less is more. Because you think we're going to take it with us? You think God's going to let us have a U-Haul in heaven? You think he's going to let us take all of our sorrows and our woes and our troubles up to heaven? Do you think we're going to take our drama up to heaven? You think he's going to say, okay, you come on in and bring all your stuff and you can dump it right over there and that's okay? He's going to go, no, I didn't give you a mansion. I gave you a room and all what you got's got to fit in this room. But Lord, it ain't the biggest room. Well, it's your room and your room is okay. Did I ever tell you what my parents did to me when I went to Methodist, Miss Myra? Here I am. I finish up Harness Central. They called me G-Man. That was my nickname, G-Man. Because in football, I used to hit people. I didn't wear glasses. I couldn't see him. I just hit anything in front of me. Even Coach Bell one day, I hit him. And he liked it. He said, you hit really good, Jerome. And I said, yes, sir. And he said, keep playing that way. Well, I went to Methodist, and um, I took my stuff. I had a few boxes. I got into the car, and I rode off listening to um, one of those old songs of the 70s and 80s. And I got back, and I had realized after the first week I had dirty clothes, and I didn't know what to do with these things. What are these things? I never really had to deal with it. What's a dirty clothes? I didn't know. I never washed a clothes in my life. I didn't know how to begin with that. So what did I do? I got back in the car and went back home. And I come in the door, and I said, I'm home. I was waiting for, you know, bells and whistles and a meal and chicken and there was nothing. It was like an echo in the house. Finally, my mama said, you're back. And I said, yes, ma'am, I'm back. And I said, I'm home. And she said, that's nice. She was from Johnson County. No, I'm joking. That's what I heard people in Johnson County say. That's nice. 
And then I said, well, I'm going to my room. She said, Jerome, you need to know. No, I'm going to my room. I went to my room, and they had packed everything I owned into boxes. Yeah, yeah, everything. I got in my room. I looked around, and it was all packed. And I'm going, what in the world? They don't want me anymore. They don't care about me anymore. I went downstairs, and Mom said, um, we uh, decided to pack your stuff because, well, you're now gone off to college. And it came to me at that moment that love is not what I thought it was. Love, I thought, was what I wanted. And I found out love is what they needed. God needs not our wants, but our heart. And sometimes God will make you pack your boxes so you can move on to something he would have you do which is run your race and fight your fight to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. In the next verse, it continues and it says, how do we respond to this loving God who's not political but works through the heart? Our soul waits for the Lord. And here's the key verse. He is our help and our shield. Now, let's look at that. Our help is something that we think of often as a way that we sit back and receive help. But our help here is referring to our action in believing in God. God helps those who help themselves. So our help is when we act upon what God has handed to us. And we take the miracles and the mercy God has given and we use those. Instead of burying the talents in the ground and hoping somehow they'll multiply, we invest those talents and we make more out of what God gives. And as God gives us a talent to teach, we teach. If we sing, we sing. If we preach, we preach. And no matter what the talent is, he wants us to offer that help and also, he gives us the shield. The shield is one of the most powerful, what they call defensive weapons in the history of humanity. The ancient Romans and the Greeks, they used the shield to great advantage in battle because the shield protects. The shield is the shield of faith that holds back the fiery darts that attack us. In other words, God gives us the protection we need like a shield above this earth. So today when that rock flies by, that shield will be protecting the earth. And if you don't think that's real, you go out and look at a full moon sometime and you see all the craters in that moon and realize every one of those rocks could have hit earth. But God had them hit the moon that he put there to protect the earth. The moon was put in place by our God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, to protect us like a big brother protects a little brother. The moon was put there to be a shield to protect the earth from all the things that could happen. See, our God has everything in motion. He's got it all worked out. Do not think the end is near. His end is coming, but it is the end of the bad and the beginning of the good. Our soul waits on the Lord, he says, and it continues. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in God. We're having an argument now in the nation about in God we trust. You know the motto? You've seen it in God We Trust. Some content was put there in the 1950s. Other pe people say that it's been there historically from the very beginning. Um, I, I don't like these political things. Uh, 
It's like I did a paper on the freedom of prayer in school. And I wrote in the paper, I said, I don't care what you're doing. I'm praying before every test I take. <laughs> that teacher give you a test. You better say a prayer. Oh, Lord, help me through this test. Give me the answers. You ever taken a test where you uh, fill out the bubbles and you're just guessing and you look for patterns? You, you know, have you ever done that? I know Miss Kathy's looking at me going, I can't believe he was my student. Well, I did. I took the SAT that way. I figured out a pattern. I said, okay, last one, first one, and I figured out like words and patterns, and I was drawing in there. The questions were not, uh, you know, significant, only the answers. Uh, well, I won't say how it turned out, but uh, let me just say, um, chances are you won't get accidentally into heaven. <laughs> Uh, you, you have to have the basics of uh, loving God and believing in Jesus and trusting in him. Our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. It's like my granddaddy said before I went to seminary. He said, I don't want you to go off and learn too much, but remember whenever they get you that you can't figure it out, say you side with Paul. Side with Paul. Because we trust in his holy name. And it concludes and it says, Let your steadfast love, O Lord, upon us, even as we hope in you. The whole basis of our faith is a basis of relationship with our Heavenly Father who loves us and who wants the best for us. We were blessed to be born in a nation of freedom. We were blessed to be born in a nation that has fought for that freedom and will continue to fight. But let us understand that the kingdom we belong to belongs to God. You notice in this church we have the flag. When I first got here a few years ago, I had them go and find a flag which was in the fellowship hall. I have no problems with people wanting to have it or whatever, move it this way or that way. But I said, as long as I'm pastor, we're going to have the flag in this sanctuary. But also, we have the Christian flag. And that flag has the banner of the cross upon it. We do not have these flags as a political statement. I'm not running for office. We have them as a statement of our faith that we thank God we're born in a nation where my brother and my father and my ancestors have fought and some have even died under the banner of this flag. But what I thank God more for is my spiritual family that I've seen so many, even in the last few days, underneath this banner. Our God watches us and we gather from all the world and God looks at all the nations and he looks at the heart and he says, are you faithful? Do you trust me? Do you believe in me? Depend on me. And sisters and brothers, God forbid, they say there's a rock coming in 2038 that they think may impact the earth. They say it's going to happen most likely. They think there's a pretty good odd it's going to happen. Do you really think so? Do you think God would let the story in like that? Do you think God would take away the opportunity for souls to be saved? God's been watching over us. God's been watching over us. And he's been moving the heavens and the stars. He's been moving the oceans. 
so that we could be here. Now, if God cares that much for us, how much does that say we care for him? So no matter what your problem is, no matter what your difficulty is, no matter what your trouble may be, all you got to do is turn to the Lord. Just let him have it. And he'll take it. And he'll say, yes, I can take care of this. And he'll send some angels. Because I believe in angels. I have met angels. Years ago, I'm serving the Lumberton circuit. I had a lady who uh, lived in Lumberton. She fell one day. No one knew she had fallen in her apartment. They found her four days later in the apartment. She was still alive on the floor with a broken hip. I found out about it, of course, and I rushed to the hospital there in Lumberton. And I said, how, how did you make this? I said, how, how did you survive this four days? She said, oh, it weren't a problem. I said, weren't you hungry? No. Weren't you afraid? No. And I said, how did you do this? She said, the people in white came every day. I said, who? She said, the people in white came every day. They were wearing white robes. And I said, they were? And she said, oh, yeah, they'd come in, two or three of them, and they'd sit down and talk to me. Then they would leave at night. I walked out of the room, and the doctor said, well, people have ideas and delusions. I looked at the daughter, and I said, that weren't a delusion. And I went home and started my enrollment into a doctor's program because of that event. It started because she saw something we do not see. And what she saw saved her life. Understand this is real. This is not a philosophy or a psychology. Those are all good. This is real. Our God really does care. I was running. I've never heard this story now. I'm going to seminary, and I had forgotten there was a T intersection in front of me over in Bladen County, and I'm flying. I'm doing about 60-some, but don't do that. Bad example, preacher, bad, bad preacher, but don't do that. And it weren't my speed limit age either. And I forgot this T intersection, and there was heavy fog that morning in Bladen County. And I have to get the seminary. So it's a, so a three-hour drive. And I get right to the intersection. And I finally, it dawns on me, there is a stop sign and there is an embankment of a field straight in front of me. And I went, oh, Lord. And I laid into the brake. And I started doing that. I'm, I'm doing sound effects. It's helping. Three times. And I was facing the embankment with the front end of the car that close, like an inch. I stopped in a matter of feet, what it should have taken a lot further. What did I do? 
I just prayed. <laughs> thank you, God. You just saved my life. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I just want to thank you, Lord. You're wonderful. You saved my life. How in the world did you stop that car so fast? That brakes aren't that good. You, you're a wonderful Lord. You want me to finish this seminary. And I went on to seminary, and I was sitting in my first class in seminary. There was a boy over next to me, a good Baptist boy. His name was Cam. Cam Ford, wonderful preacher. You may have heard of him. He's sitting next to me, and he's at time getting to school this morning. I said, you don't know the half of it, Cam. He said, oh, I had to stop and get me coffee, and that little 30-minute drive is just so hard, and the traffic is so hard. And I said, Cam, are you crazy? I said, I almost died this morning, and you complaining about getting coffee too hot at Hardy's. He said, well, it was hot coffee, and I said, you don't know the half of it. I'm here by the grace of God, and he said, aren't we all? Even though his troubles weren't as bad as my troubles, we both serve the same God who sees hope in the midst of hopelessness, peace in the midst of war. And I have never been in a situation where my God is not large enough, big enough, great enough, awesome enough. He knows how to handle everything. So no matter what it is, turn it to God. And let God be the ruler of your life. Amen. Amen. That was fun. Now, nobody drive to above the speed limit. That's very important. If anybody stops you, you tell them you go to Spring Hill and the preacher says not to speak. And they'll let you go. It's a free pass. Amen. 